Time for Rolling. Welcome to Time for Rolling Esports, the weekly podcast that brings you Vainglory Esports. From predictions to recaps and analysis, we present to you the best in professional Vainglory. Now, here's your hosts, Endless and Crude Sloth. It's Time for Rolling. Hello, hello, and welcome to Time for Rolling Esports, episode 91. Uh, it is Tuesday, March, let's see, it is March 20th. Night, night, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe we're in the future, Crude. Edit that out. Go ahead and edit. <laughs> uh, co-host, Green Sloth, Polly, how's it going today? What's up, man? I am doing well, Polly. How's it going? I don't know. Pretty good. Paulie, are you a big basketball person? Or are you uh, into this the March Madness happening right now? Oh, yeah. I love it. Every year. It's like my favorite time of year. Okay. Now, I don't know if this is sarcastic or not. Are you being serious? That was total sarcasm. <laughs> no, that was... Th- oh, what are he's talking being about? serious. I love basketball. Oh. I thought it was sarcasm. So, who's it's your like team? the only sport... I was good at. Uh, I am a for college. I like. I always root for UConn, okay. like University of Connecticut, because my dad played. My dad played basketball there in college. Wow. Ooh. Okay. Crude That's and I, cool. uh, RIP. Both our teams are out of the tournament. Crude, you're taking a little harder than I am because my team wasn't a second ranked team. Yeah, let's not talk about it. I, I didn't even watch the second half. I just started playing Vanglory. I kid you not. I North was like, Carolina oh, got shit on. <laughs> yeah, to put it nicely. I feel like that's how your season's been, though. Your team's been so inconsistent. Like, who knows what, who's going to show up? Yeah, well, we don't have to worry about that team anymore. That's true. Hmm. Um, I still can't believe the 16 seed. Oh, dude. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> that's like you bigger than what? Ninja playing with Drake, right? No, <laughs> yeah. absolutely <Whoa>. not. <laughs> I well, oh, I mean, it wasn't just that they beat him; they beat him by twenty points. Yeah. Like, but here, like, here's here's the thing, though. Everyone's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that is still really cool, regardless. But to Virginia's small defense, their six man of the year, who you know he was the six man of the year for the AC. I think it was just for the ACC. I don't know. But anyway, he broke his hand in the championship game against North Carolina, so he couldn't even play. So mm. maybe that was like. But, bro, know. think about it. Like, you would think third string should be able to beat a 16 seed. Ah, no. It's the tournament, man. I know, I know. But the, I don't know, man. UMBC came second in their conference behind University of Vermont. Like, mm. someone I went to high school with plays for University of Vermont. Like, I played basketball in high school with that guy. Yeah. He's not that great. That's crazy. <laughs> and his team and his team finished in front of UNBC. Like, I don't know, man. That's pretty embarrassing. And that not to crazy. not to hate on UNBC. Like obviously they're good, but I mean when you look at their basketball players, they are not your stereotypical <laughs> basketball players. They look like maybe some unathlete or like athletic like high school kids that were very athletic then and somehow found their way on a college team. Well, I was just looking at like their roster and it's like six two, six three, six one. They got like a five foot eight guy on their team. Yeah, I it looks like a high school for... basketball yeah. team. I'm six foot. Really? Come on. Oh god, I don't know. It was great. It was a good weekend of basketball on St. Patty's Day. I'm glad we all survived. Uh, did you survive your St. Patty's Day, Polly? Yeah, it was great. You know, went to the market, made shepherd's pie. Went to oh, a you concert. didn't. Did you drink alcohol? That's what we do here in America. We just drink alcohol. Oh my god! Of course, we got we went to we went to a little uh, pub called Fickle Frog at around nice. ten in the morning on our way to the market. Fickled oh, Frog. Nice. Yeah, I have a bar in my town called Fickled Peach. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe yeah. it's the same owner. Maybe. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> a little bit of a distance between those, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, we had a little bit of Vainglory March Madness going on as well. Not as crazy, um, but there was tournament happening, obviously, since the last time we talked to you. That was uh, a Thursday, and the Viz League had been going on the whole week. Um, to recap, I guess, what's happened, we really just kind of want to talk about uh, really just the championship game, maybe even semifinals if we want to. But to over over you know, recap what happened in Viz League overall, um, sorry, co-hosts, this could take a minute, but I'm going to go through this real fast. Uh, Tribe Gaming, they faced uh, Hammers first. They beat them. Hammers drops down to the loser's bracket. Slimy Salamanders does beat Vision. Of course, Vision is a completely different roster than the old Vision. Child's Play, 2-0's Misfits. Nova loses to Finesse God. So that means everyone that dropped down into the loser's bracket, they, this is double elimination, so they play in the, the, the loser's bracket side. Um, Hammers beats Vision. Misfits beat Nova. So Nova loses both of their games. Uh, in the winner's bracket, Tribe does beat the Slimy Salamanders to a forfeit. And Child's Play beats Finesse Gods to a forfeit. So talk about a great second round of games when both teams can't get the players there to show up. I was a little salty. I would have liked to see Tribe and Child's Play actually uh, have to play those games. Um, let's see. The big thing is... Okay, so Tribe plays Child's Play and Tribe beat them. So Child's Play got knocked into the loser's bracket to reface Finesse Gods. And uh, Finesse Gods actually showed up to play that, that game, but the results weren't any different. So Child's Play beats them 2-0, and now we are in the finals. Of everything that we wanted to see is Tribe versus Child's. Obviously, we saw it once with Tribe beating Child's Play 2-0. Did either of you guys get to watch the Tribe Gaming versus Child's Play round one? I don't know if, Crude, you watch it. Paula, did you watch it? I believe I yeah. did watch it. I don't remember, recall a whole lot from it, but... I just remember it being pretty one-sided. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. So going into the championship, a lot of people, for the most part, everyone was kind of like, Tribe's the best team, definitely the team to beat. I was excited to see Child's Play, TSM, whatever, whoever the hell they are. I hope they get picked up, like Polly was saying. We just we just really need TSM to stick around. <laughs> but um, Tribe versus Child's, game one. Let's go right into Let's break down this match. You know, drafting-wise... Um, I know we've already talked about it a little bit, Polly, but you know, is there anything particular still at this point that you're seeing that teams are definitely going after or anything that kind of locks in, uh, maybe makes you think that team has the advantage? I know in our chat we did talk about Grumpjaw a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's like making sure I noticed when they were doing their bands, they were trying to like restrict the captain hero pool. Okay. Yeah. And I like right now. I feel like draft is about banning mid laners and banning captains for the most part. I don't know. I mean, Taka was picked and banned in all the games mm-hmm. as well. So he's obviously like a big like they ban like the first game. Gabe Vizzle picked it up and it did really well, like split pushing. And then Child's Play just banned it away because they didn't want to play against it. But we do see a Grumpjaw in every single game, which the Grumpjaw is, uh, I feel mm-hmm. like, pretty tanky, kind of like a double proc, right? The, the tension bow aftershock. and um, you're, he's, you're... Just, he's got a cheap build. Yeah. So, And he, he's he got a lot of utility, yeah. which is like what you want for a jungler. I was say, what's everyone's opinion? Like, I'm, you know, maybe this is me just being a tier six, but what's up with the utility kind of coming back? You know, we saw that in three v three with like your your one jungler, and like you would just focus for your carry. But I mean, is that gonna be? Do you think that'll be vital? Like, it's probably with the storm crown change, right? It's kind of been changed back to what it used to be. So I think it's cheaper, so it's really easy to farm. At least that's what I've been seeing is people use it to farm lane really quickly, like the top laners. Mm-hmm. Well, like on Grumpjaw, you don't even pick up the Stormcrown. Yeah, it's just the aftershock like, mission, though. I think that the problem is that, like, the thing is with like five v five. I think jungle is gonna be always. It's not gonna be like three v three, where you might be able to get away with putting like a. You're not gonna be able to put a gold hungry jungler mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. because you're never gonna get the gold you need to get a complete build. Right, so you your jungler needs to be able to like spike early, 
for not a lot of gold and then offer utility in the late game. Right. Yeah. So the jungle role is probably going to change to more of like maybe is important early on, but then towards late game, there's a lot more of like being tanky, surviving, maybe being like more of a distraction. Because I don't know, like in 3v3, you did see a lot of junglers that were able to carry and dominate. But now I guess in 5v5, that could probably change the role of, you know, how how a jungler actually plays during the high competitive level. Mm-hmm. And like you, your role as a jungler is to like, help well you, you obviously can counter jungle but it's all about ganks and helping one and trying to get one lane ahead of you know what i mean like putting pressure you can get ahead in one lane preferably not the top lane mm-hmm. like mid or bot lane because typically like top lanes just someone who's really tanky doesn't build a lot of damage so I feel like jungle has definitely become more of a utility role in 5v5. Yeah. Kira, do you want to run through real quick game one, just what the teams were comps-wise? You don't go through bands, but just what the players did end up picking up so we can talk about yeah. it throughout this game one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on tribe side, I'll start with them. Uh, we got Old School on Avaria. We have Dienzio on a weapon power Kestrel. We have Gabe Vizzle with the, uh, the Taka. I love Joseph with a weapon power um, Alpha, and then Fleta, a.k.a. Max Green, with the Fortress pickup. Uh, for Child's Play, we have um, Chuck on a Samuel. We have Hammy with a Jewel. Uh, we have Daniel with a um, Blackfeather. We have Kaz with a Grumpjaw. And we have Shaded Talent with a Arden pickup. All right, so this game won... You know, around the 10-minute mark, we're pretty even, I would say, overall. Child's Play has a 2,000 gold league. They're up, you know, four kills. And then around, like, 10.35, they start taking Ghost Wing. So, I mean, at this point, Child's Play clearly kind of has, like, the advantage uh, lane-wise. I-, I think maybe just the mid-turrets down, that's it. Other than that, it's just pretty much everyone just farming and just focusing on getting those minions. And there hasn't been too many, you know, 4v4 or even 5v5. So, you know, it, Tribe does win game one. So I don't know, Crude or Polly, whoever has an idea, you know, what specifically happened for Tribe in this first game? Was it just they had more of a late game comp to handle Child's Play? Or, you know, how come Child's Play couldn't win this game one? And, you know, at this point, 11 minutes in, they have the clear advantage. Polly, go for it. Man, like, it, if you watch it again, every time... Child's Play had like a skirmish that they seemed to come out on top of. Gabe Vizzle was pushing a turret. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I feel like they just moved around the map better. And Jewel kind of sucks right now. That's like another thing. Like, Hammy just did, he didn't even have, he had zero kill participation. Yeah. Like, nothing, right? So I feel like they just had a better draft. Taka. Gabe Vizzle is such a good talker, and like he did really well to kind of make the best of bad situations to the point where enough time went by that they ended up just outscaling Child's Play, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to Left, uh, Left Spectre from Nova stream today, and he was doing some stream VODs, uh, like on reviewing VODs on stream, and he was talking about how. You know, if Child's Play maybe had three or four members uh, to rotate to get a gank and get one kill, I mean, that's nice that you're getting a kill, but then if Tribe realizes that, hey, all four members are bottom, we have a chance to either, A, push this turret, or we have a chance to invade jungle and get more objectives here. So it was like, even though maybe some members from Tribe were getting picked off early, 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 one by one, it wasn't like that child's play was getting oh you know a major ace and able to take a lot of objectives it was more just like one kill here or there you know max green he's down oh three so is he kind of falling behind maybe but you know most of the kills are just you know one on nilo joseph one on dnz one on old school at the 12 minute mark so it's not like you know maybe one later is not specifically getting pushed out too much it does seem like old school is having a little bit of a problem in the mid lane um but for the most part i felt like tribe and that's going to be the big talking points i think throughout the seasons is just like obviously objective play macro and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and like talk up pretty hard counters samuel i think which is like when you look at like 
their comp. They didn't. They have CC, but they have CC that's actually really easy for Taka to dodge out because he's so mobile. So he could just dive onto Chuck. Like they have Hammy's jump, Grumps eat the gauntlet and Chuck's sleep. But like the gaunt- the gauntlet, the jump, and the sleep have like really long channeling times. Mm-hmm. And then like think about how hard it is to land your eat on the right person in five v five. Yeah. So I feel like that was also something to do with it. I uh the one thing that I noticed that and I I'm not like trying to pick on Big Paul's aka Han- or Daniel at all, but I feel like in every game I don't know, maybe it's just me. I just feel like every time I saw someone die from child's play, it was Daniel getting caught out or Daniel being aggressive, which is good. Sometimes it paid off for him, but other times not. Like he was on the Black Feather twice, I believe. Yeah. And he went two and two and three and three on the black or on the black feather. And then the middle game, the second game, he went Rona three and seven. I mean, they won that game because they were even down. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But I just I don't know. Does anyone else feel like that? Or am I imagining things? Mm. I mean, early on, I felt like while watching him when he first was with this child's play, he was doing really well, making a lot of good plays. I just think he has to. I don't know, maybe have, I'm not necessarily more support from the team, but with Arona, when he kind of dived in, I feel like he dove in expecting more damage to come from, like more help to come from his team, but it didn't come in and he kind of just died quickly. And there were late team fights that he dove in, didn't get any kills, did a lot of damage, ended up dying just because everyone was focused on him and then his team cleaned up. So that's why they still won. So yeah, I do see what you're saying though. There was early on that I really liked Daniel, but now he does seem like sometimes maybe he throws a little bit by trying to he thinks he can get a kill but he just never gets it mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna bring i wanted to bring that up too because like on that rona it was absurd he kept trying to like sneak into the back jungle to steal those two little bear yes mm-hmm. it's like 110 gold oh nice job like you got them now you're gonna die and you're gonna lose your turret yeah, yeah. It seemed like he was making a lot of like von c-esque decisions that's what i was funny. thinking because what we know Kachuk can play with someone like that, and you do need that kind of aggression, but I think that maybe as time goes on, he'll contain it a little more. Well, the other issue, too, with the Rona was, in my opinion, you know, Tribe, they had such a, a kiting uh, comp, you know what I'm saying? With Especially with the Fortress, like with the, the movement speed and stuff like that. Other than Grumpjaw, they didn't have a melee. I mean, so I felt like every time... Daniel was like leading the charge, like they're like, all right, we're just gonna back up and just deal a bunch of damage to you, and then pretty much end you and worry about the rest of the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I've... I think Daniel also needs to get a bigger hero pool. Yeah. <laughs> Besides Rona and Blackfeather, and that's it. Yeah, I was like, I'm trying to think of. That. I think that's pretty much it. Like, think about Gabe, because Daniel is their top liner. I suppose, right? Uh, yeah. Either top laner. It's kind of hard to talk about that like on a mirrored map, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's what his role is, anyways. But like, think about what Gabe. Gabe's like, yeah, I'll play Taka, and then I'm gonna switch gears completely and play Adagio, who's like a mage character. But big pause is like, if I'm not building a ser- serpent's mask and a breaking point, I don't want to play the hero because like yeah. that's the. I feel like those are the only two items he builds. Because he's like a good, he's good on like those brawling heroes, but yep, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's important to stick what you're comfortable with. You probably, but right now would be the time to be stepping out of your comfort zone and playing something that doesn't, you know, you're not as good with that may be good in the future of the actual VPL. You still have five weeks of a preseason coming up too that doesn't really matter. So he has time to figure it out. But I think just by watching TSM and hearing them talk about TSM in the past, like, TSM was used to Von C and they like Von C was comfortable with like, Hey, if I overextend, he, and sometimes this, you know, hurt them, but he was kind of expecting his team to back him up even when he made some of those crazy plays. So maybe it just, it will take time for the synergy of child's play to get used to maybe if Daniel goes in crazy, like how to handle that situation and either a, let him go die by himself or you don't half commit. Cause sometimes you see like half the team, like want to go help Daniel, but then the other team doesn't. So it's just kind of like they're stuck in between there especially with them, I, I, f- I really do feel like they play a lot of melee compared to, you know, other teams. I You really see Chuck on the, the 
you know, the ranged hero. Then other than that, everyone's just kind of up front in your face, which is good because that's like a, a four-member protect Chuck comp where you just want no one to touch him, which we see that work in yeah. game three later on. So that I mentioned to see how it plays out. You know, Flash still can play. Like, I mean, obviously we need to figure out if TSM sticks around, and if they do, Flash needs to make the final decision whether or not he's playing because he still plays a lot with the guys. So who knows what will actually happen there. I think Daniel's really good, though. So I still think... Uh, they'll figure it out as a whole, but um, we're still in game one, I believe. So yeah, uh, it pretty much starts. It starts ending up being that tribe just starts picking a lot of you know a lot of good fights. Pretty much old school is doing a lot of damage on a four item. You know, Chris Lavaria, Dienzio. Surprisingly, it's just it's kind of interesting. You know, I don't know what your guys' opinions. Obviously, Dienzio is still good, but like not all eyes are on Dienzio anymore. It's crazy that you know five v five is definitely changing this. Yeah, that's what I've been saying all along. Is you know you throw those stars together, but who's gonna really you know? I don't know. It's almost like basketball. Like not everyone can be end up being fifteen and one, or shouldn't at least. You know, who's gonna be the star? And for old school and Dienzio to like, I, I don't know who I want mid lane. Like who do I want? The, uh, I don't know. I have something they have to figure out, but yeah, I mean, he did pretty well in game two, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. Like I think the, the spotlight's inherently going to be on the mid laner. Yeah. Because that's the scaling hero, but like, yeah, it's true. He's not like hard kick. But it's also like it's a lot harder to just hard carry as an individual. Yeah, yeah. No. And I don't expect one player to do it. And it may rotate. Like maybe one game, old school's having a really tough time mid lane. So DNZO kind of dominates bot lane and he does really well that game. I'm sure that's definitely going to happen. But just, you know, when I see DNZO, I'm always looking for that stat line to be high or him to make those crazy plays. And I think right now, it, I mean, I. For me, if I was a professional player, man, it'd be great. I'd be like, wow, I can be a lot less more relaxed. Now, you know, if I make one mistake, you know, we've already all talked about this plenty of times. But um, game one, Tribe wins 11-8. to eight. Going into the game two, you know, you're just kind of like, wow, you know, Tribe's going to win this one 2-0. And Tribe is definitely the strongest team. Seeing TSM come in with this this new roster, Tribe's play, whatever they are. Um, you know, a lot of people are looking at it saying, like, are, are they the best team? Obviously, Tribe has cloud nine and tribe on one team it's crazy roster so looking at this draft for game two you know tribe they kind of have the fortress again now they have grumtraw idris is out there there's that adagio that paulie mentioned but you know the celeste is banned away you know keeping that celeste away from chuck i think it's a really good idea mid lane is what i want to talk about though a little bit real quick going into game two i mean who there's not many mid laners like i feel like we just see samuel we see Arya uh celeste and we actually did see a scarf on chuck but i mean other than that i feel like the mid laners are just the same over and over yeah i would agree with that yeah i just don't think there's enough mages in the game right now as far as like just number of heroes or whatever in like a, a crystal adagio mid lane or you know we've even seen a lyra mid lane kind of be thrown around like someone that's more auto attack or like you know auto attack based compared to a true mage like do you think a spot like that is just going to be really specific in certain comps or even those heroes would probably still work i think it's just a matter of some hero that scales really well with cp like i don't know if, if it matters whether or not it's a mage, I just think that Scarf and Celeste and Samuel just tend to scale better right now. But it's always just going to be a CP hero, just because mid lane is right next to the CP buffs. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. The buffs are definitely important in their locations, and which hero would be make sense when it comes mm-hmm. to where you play them. So, Charles plays on that. You know, the Cruel, the Rona, the Lyra, um, Shaded Talent. We'll, we'll talk about him later more, but Shaded on the Lyra. A lot of great plays, a lot of great stuff coming out of him and that captain role. Um, you got that Baptiste, which we've been seeing a lot of crystal, just as much as weapon, I feel like. And then the Scarf Tribe, again, I already mentioned there's Adagio, Kestrel, Idris, Crumpjaw, uh, and Fortress. So, Crude, uh, think about this game. Anything specific? Start the conversation off. <laughs> I mean, for what I remember from this game, I, you know, like kind of like what you said, I thought Tribe was just going to take this away. I mean, and they were getting the kills earlier on. Uh, you know, I mean, 
flash forward to the end of the game, the final kill count is 18 to 13 in favor of Tribe. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Tri- or Child's Play kind of just turned it around at the end there to be able to pull it off, and I was kind of surprised by it, but I don't I don't know. It, between Chuck and Hammy, they both went 3-3. Three and three. You know, They didn't do anything too crazy, but I hope like they kept keep their team in the game compared to Daniel, who went 3-7, and seven, and Kaz, 4-5. and five. That Kroll... I, I don't know. He he did some damage, but it's just like he didn't do enough damage, in my opinion. I don't know, Paulie. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I think Daniel definitely was scared. I was like a little worried just because I, I think at one point he was like only had like one kill or something. But yeah, I mean, Cos was like doing pretty well early. I think. Like he had eight kill participation, yeah. And then the next highest person was Shaded had the most with ten, but I don't know. I think Cruel just falls off late game. Yeah, that's maybe what it was because I realized like every time I would see like Cruel diving in and then him running back with Shaded talent, saving him with like the fountain and like the the sigil or Imperial sigil. Like to heal mm-hmm. him back up and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you made a good point earlier on. He was better, but yeah, later on it was. Eesh. Yeah, I think he just, his job later on was just to sit on top of Chuck. Yeah. Basically. And man, old school was jumping all over the place on Idris. Like his ultimates are so crazy. <sighs> like the way he uses it, I just like can't ever. Usually, I just jump right back to the same exact spot I was in. I'm terrible, but like he'll he'll be like cornered one v three, uses all jump on someone, and then just be like right near his allies again. Uh huh. He is six and two right now at the point I'm at the vid. I wanted to point out or the bot. I wanted to point out a specific spot, but yeah, he was making a lot of good plays early on. Tribe as a whole up fourteen to six. You know, around the twenty three minute mark, going into twenty five. You know. Turrets are dead even besides um, Child's Play has one extra in their top lane or whatever that is technically is. But, you know, you know a lot of turrets were being taken in this game. Um, you know, we see Tribe, you know, they're going after the Black Claw. Um, they do unleash it, but unfortunately, I, I'm trying to remember, someone got caught out and died, which allowed, you know, child's play to have like a little extra motivation to you know counter push and they go back you know tribe gets uh, a turret in the mid the mid turret and the mid armory and then as soon as tsm gets a chance they push down with the scarf which chuck is doing tons of damage to turrets like a pool from scarf on a turret you know the turret's gone instantly you know but they were able to counter push and that really was a turning point you know you thought tribe is pushing in with the black claw at 23 minutes game's over but it literally just took one member from Tribe to stick around too long and to give Child's Play that chance to, you know, just counter push back immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was old school that got caught out. I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think it was Ham- I think Hammy blew him up. And then. And there were a, yeah. lot, a lot of fights were happening where members from both teams were dying. It wasn't like completely, uh, you know, a. Like if you see team fight break out and they're immediate as an immediate ace, like there would be two members from Child's Play die and then like you know three from Tribe. It just they kind of, kind of went back and forth. But you know the big thing we talked about, of course, was that game game ending you know play from Child's Play. I mean it was pretty crazy. Just I don't know who made the call. Who do you guys think the shot caller is on Child's Play right now? Chuck. Yeah, I think it's probably Chuck. Isn't it crazy that Von C was a shot caller? Like, I just never would have imagined that Von C would be doing that. But, obviously, he's not around anymore. So, you have to look at the... the, the, the I just don't think Chuck is that, you know, like, would voice... I don't know, that vocal? I don't know what I'm trying to say. But maybe it is Chuck, probably, because he's the yeah. most experienced out of the group. So, But anyways, the play. I don't know. Crude, you want to talk about it? What happened towards the end of this match? Uh, I mean, basically... Are you talking about at the very end when Child's Play just decided that they were going to go rush and take down the base? Is Wasn't that to? game two the game where they all sat in the bush? Or is that game three? I think that's game three. Is it? Mm. No, it's game two. Yeah. I'm trying to find it. Because they were just chilling in the bush. 
They're chilling on the top oh, left. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. They like outrode. They kind of like outrotated them or quite didn't really know. I don't know. There was a scout cam down, so I'm not sure if Tribe knew they were there and they just thought they could beat them. But pretty much Shade of Talent, like Shade of Talent, like, you know, Arcane Passage and right on top of them. And immediately yeah, they kind of yeah, blew yeah. up old school. And that's pretty much how they won because it was still back and forth. It was pretty much, yeah, right here, 26 minute markets happening. Um, but they all go to their little bush and Tribe rotates down the other way. And uh, they, they start the fight. Child's play wins and they, they win game two. So now we're going to game three. Uh, anything else on game two before we continue on? Mm. I don't have anything else on it. Couldn't remember which one that was, game two or game three. So, <laughs> I just remember Gabe Vizzle dropping an alt down that did 1,014 damage to Chuck. Yikes. <laughs> all he has... fully stacked Dragon's Eye. Yeah, say, all he has is Dragon's Eye and alternating current. That's a lot of damage. Yeah, it's crazy that that Adagio is like a really... It's like Adagio always, even in 3v3, even before the Broken Myth changes, it was... It was nuts because all you had to do was get AC broken myth and you can still do a ton of damage and yeah, then you yeah. can just get super tanky. I mean, look at his build. He has an Atlas. He has a crucible. Like he's definitely acting as another support. And I don't know. I've, that's, I've always said that. I always thought that going into 5v5, we would see maybe other members have like support items, but we really haven't seen it too much. Like we haven't seen too much extra crucibles. I mean, yeah, Child's Play has a lot of CC. They have that, you know, the uh fierce fearsome shade from hammy and the sword from cause but i don't know is that enough for two crucibles i thought that was pretty interesting just to see gabe go extremely tanky with a little bit of support items yeah i would have liked to see him with a third item personally yeah two blocks what is i mean scarf no rona no lyra no i mean that's just that's a lot of blocking for uh I guess he just really needed to survive. Yeah. Maybe it was for the Scarfall or something. I don't know. Just that extra fortified, a little bit of barrier. Yeah. Hmm. They may have had a specific, you know, plan with it and reason for it, but we won't ever know that. So I think we'll see in the future. Just have uh, extra coordination of having an extra crucible if you are up against a team with a lot of uh, a lot of CC. It'll be interesting to see. Game three, though, um, I don't know if Tribe was specifically banning away Celeste from uh, Chuck throughout the series, or they just don't like it in general. Obviously, Chuck has always been a god on Celeste, but he does uh, get the last pick Celeste. So we've got the Taka, the Grumpjaw, Blackfeather again, and Lyra again on Child's Play. Tribe went with Trainwalker. Trainwalker's been interesting off and on. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, the, the Varia, the Alpha, Jewel, and Adagio again. Jewel, I don't know. Uh, Polly already mentioned the Jewel's not that amazing, but um, they go ahead and go with it. I still just feel like if, if you're a tanky bruiser, you're definitely being picked up right now in 5v5. Yeah, for sure. Man, I feel like the problem with Jewel is that there's so many barriers now you know what I mean? Like, oh, there's yeah. so much. Like, I don't know. Think about Jewel before. If you got jumped on, it was like two thunder strikes and you were dead. But now there's like Flask, your own reflex block, a mm. Crucible, a Fountain. If someone else builds a Crucible, if you have like a second healer on your team. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's a lot harder in 5v5 to burst someone down. I mean, so I maybe... like... sorry, go ahead, Paul. I... No, I just think it's harder to burst people down, which is where Jewel excels, right? Like yeah. Weapon Jewel. So. Well, I mean, I think the only thing that would be somewhat viable is, I guess it's kind of contradicting what you're saying, but like if you're one-on-one, maybe, but like in in 5v5 team fights, yeah, Jewel's like pointless, right? Because, I mean, you have all... The... I mean, if you're in your own lane and you can try to solo someone, when especially earlier game, but I guess the jewel's not as strong early game. You could try to burst them down, but yeah, I don't know. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah, was just thinking I... about where we see jewel play normally, top or bottom lane. But mm-hmm. well, I think there's too much like CC now too. 
right? Because if Jewel jumps, because I you saw a couple times like Danzio was just like, okay, I have to jump on Chuck, and he would, but then like Cause and Daniel or or Hammy and Cause or someone, they would all just like come to help Chuck out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it was just like it's so much harder now to single somebody out. It's actually it's like unless you get a pick off, like you catch someone rotating poorly in a 5v5 team fight. I feel like if you do get to do a one-on-one, it's because the the your team and their team just aren't playing well. Like you should never have a point in time in a team fight where there's two people dueling it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that's a clear example of a hero that was made for 3v3 and players may have to realize that that natural tendency to be like, oh, there's their carry. I should jump on them and stun them maybe like going away once people get used to it because you're like oh yeah if i jump in and stun him how many people will either a save him or stun me and just keep me locked down um so yeah it will be interesting to see how that you know how the hero starts playing out i know you mentioned i did i wish we could just like show everyone in our chat because we had a lot of good points in our chat but i think you mentioned glaive at one point didn't you Polly? i don't remember what game that was for though you know let me see i can scroll up i'm trying to find it as well but I could be, I could have had a dream about that as well, so I could be lying. <laughs> I'm not sure when you had mentioned it. I don't remember anything about Glaive, to be honest. But oh, should have picked Glaive or someone who brings more CC than Blackfeather. Oh yeah, you're talking about um, Big Paws playing oh, Blackfeather. Yeah, for Big for Big uh, Paws. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I just think that Big Blackfeather's not that great. Maybe I'm wrong, but. I don't think he brings enough utility because, yeah. well, like, also, I think the problem with Jewel is, like, if you watch League of Legends at all, oh, there's a lot of heroes that have, like, CC that's kind of like you hit a skill shot, and if you land it, you can get a stun. Yeah. But the problem with Jewel is, like, her stun is her jumping in to the middle of a team. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, Okay, congrats! You hit your stun. Now you're gonna get blown up. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I just think that that's so. I really think that in like terms of de- developing heroes, more more skill shot based is definitely something that's better for five v five rather yeah. than like this up close and personal stuff. Like even Grace, it's just like she goes in and lands her stun, but then she's just standing in the middle of a bunch of people. I have an idea for Jewel. What if you get an extra bounce? So you go in and you you stun, and then you can bounce back. Two OP. Like, is that two OP? Well, remember when we were at the lair and they were talking about Tony and his original, <laughs> yeah. um, his original abilities. Like the one thing they kind of talked about, which they ended up uh, putting into the game, was I think with his ultimate, if he like bounces in. Uh, there's some there's some type of mechanic to hold him in place if it doesn't land. You know, just like Lance's impale. Like you get rewarded for landing it, but if you don't land Lance's impale, you kind of get stuck in that animation, which actually can like you know maybe persuade or convince someone not to try to land that impale because you may get stuck there and you know even die. So um, I don't know if yeah. there would be some type of thing where if Jewel lands the stun immediately gets like a speed boost to get out of there, but if he does miss, then Jewel would be punished. I mean, your original point on League, I mean, isn't there a lot of combos too? I know we have less abilities in Vainglory than League, but like if you land certain combos, you can like make the stun happen. Just like I think it's like Anne, Annie or whatever, the girl with the giant teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... There's abilities like that. Or it could be something like they had to fix Kashka. You know, they had to give her a barrier. Yeah. Because, so it could be something where they're like, okay, Jewel, if you land your, if you land your, what is it, Rocket Leap, you get fortified health for the duration of the stun. Okay, yeah. Or something. Like, I have no idea. I'm not a game developer (laughs) or anything. No, I just think that. Makes sense. I think, I think there's something. Like, I feel like, personally, I feel like they're going to increase Lance's damage reduction next patch like next update because like he's missing completely from the game no one's playing him 
Who did you say? I may have just like blacked out and you said. Oh, yeah, I didn't hear it either, yeah. actually. Oh, sorry. Just Lance. Oh, okay. Lance. Oh. Uh, like the damage reduction he gets from his B or right. whatever. Because he's way too. He's too. He's too squishy. And he's, his goal is to just sit there in the middle of the team fight, pushing people around. But I think that he's too squishy for 5v5. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I think the big thing we'll have to see going throughout competitive and in, in the creation of new heroes is just seeing, you know, they're going to have to start focusing on how they can make heroes that survive in 5v5 and are good for competitive. Tony may be that hero, obviously banned right now, a global ban in this tournament because it just came released. But people are, of course, it's early. People are showing some pretty OP stuff with Tony. His abilities are interesting. Their taunt is, you know, that will be an interesting mechanic in in the competitive scene, you know, forcing someone to attack, especially a melee that may kind of put them out of position. Then he has a little bit of an extra stun if he lands enough auto attack. So he's interesting to see how he changes up the competitive scene. Will we get to really see that too much? Uh, not for a while until uh, preseason starts in April. But um, game three, going back to the original tribe and uh, child's play, you know, Tribe again is off to a pretty good start. We're, uh, you know, eight minutes in and they're up 2,000, up two kills. Um, actually, Kaz just absolutely ate someone and uh, get another kill. But um, they, you know, going back and forth early on. But Child's Play's comp overall was, like we mentioned earlier, was Chuck. You know, he just sat back and, you know, they kept him alive and he was putting out some insane damage, able to kite people away and throw out some pretty intense solar storms. Clockwork on that Celeste. I mean, you get Solar Storm so many times, and it's so much fun to land yeah. that on a squishy hero. Yeah, especially when you can uh, kind of when you get the you know the, when you upgrade it all the way, it gets bigger and bigger, and you can just start pinging it off like three people, four people. <laughs> you hit in your Solar Storm, it's just like oh, there goes half the team. Yeah. Did we? Yeah, see Chuck's Celeste is insane. Yeah. It's crazy. We didn't see any res of this tournament, did we? Or at least this championship matches. Not not the championship matches. No. Reza was banned this last game. Okay. Um But yeah, I think the game ends not you know, it wasn't a crazy long, I didn't think. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, sixteen minutes nine, in. under yeah. Under twenty. Yeah, under twenty. They uh go ahead and unleash the the black claw and you know, a lot of teams are becoming starting to become smarter, understanding when it's time to back out after the Black Claw push. Um, and it's also interesting to see if people re unleash Black Claw, if they immediately will get Ghost Swing. There's still a lot of things I think need to be uh, figured out. I was listening to Gabe on his stream today. I don't know. Did anyone watch Gabe's stream today? I did not. He no, was... I was... Yeah, work. Working, doing adult things. Yeah, I get that. At my work, sometimes I uh, have the pleasure to just get paid to watch Twitch. But um, <laughs> Gabe was, people were, of course, were asking Gabe about what happened. And he was like, oh, I think it was just, it was just simple. Like, they didn't rotate very well the third game. And they uh, weren't all on the same page on rotations on, like, on what to do exactly during some downtime. So it's it's good to see that struggle still happening for the proteins and understanding that they are, you know, trying to figure out all of that. And, uh, I think uh, if these pro teams are serious and the ones that put in the practice to do VOD reviews and look at things or like what they could have done during this downtime, that's going to be like one of the biggest things is figuring out what they could have focused on while nothing was happening, I should say. But, um, you know, Child's Play goes ahead and wins game three and actually Child's Play, you know, they are the champions. Uh, are they the better team though? Crude, yes or no? Uh, No. I think Tribe is still better, uh, you know, at least mechanically and, and, you know, with their stars on their team, I guess you'll say. But whether they can actually synergize and play well together, that that's to be seen. So I still give it to Tribe right now, even though Child's play one. But Polly, how about you? I, I think I, I, I think that they're a little better skilled team, but you know, it just depends on if, you know, what if the, if the players from TSM just understand the game better than mm -hmm. I think that, that they can pull it out. I think Chuck is the best player in North America. Agreed. Wow. I never really thought I would say that, to be honest. I've always been a critical of Chuck. I've never actually put him up there as number one in the laner position. 
But I think 5v5 and his experience with what he's had in 3v3, I think in 5v5 he is he's going to be like one of the top top laners for sure. Or not even laners, but just a top person to have on your team to lead a team. Um, mm -hmm. Well, he's better than old school in okay. mid lane. Yeah, I was going to say, no offense to old school. If they would put D'Enzio in middle and in old school and bot, I would think about saying Danzio number one, just depending on how he, like what we've seen him play back in three v three. But you know, no offense to old school, he is a top three laner without a doubt. Like he's he's still good, but yeah, right now I'm giving it to Chuck. I guess that's the main thing we need to think about is like we already talked about, bot lane may not be as crucial as the mid lane. Like Paulie was saying, that's the the hero that scales and wants to carry. So. Maybe the reason why DNZ is not in the, the conversation because he has to play a jewel or he has to play this other weapon carries instead of these, you know, crystal carry that can absolutely dominate. So, yeah, I mean, old school does go 0 5 this last game. He did definitely struggle on that Varia. Um, but, you know, Chuck, he is looking really good. I know, you know, you talked a little bit about Shaded Talent, uh, Polly, and how, you know, is he this the wild card for you know child's play will he be the difference he's kind of the captain right now that is on one of the best teams that has to prove himself he's not gay vizzle he's not max green and he's not flash x so finding out or evil so finding out where shaded falls i totally agree with you it's gonna be really interesting to see how he does and i think in this final shaded made a <laughs> lot of good plays what are you laughing at uh no yeah i agree i was yeah he he died one time in three games yeah Props to Iraqi Zoro. I mean, that, that was his tweet I saw earlier, but I didn't realize that until Iraqi tweeted that. And I'm like, damn, he died one time. Yeah. He's got really good. Like, he, I saw him echo the portal a couple times to oh, stay yeah. alive. And when you're playing Lyra, it's so important for you to stay alive just because you bring so much healing because you don't actually have to be in the team fight, like yeah. in the middle of the team fight to actually help your team. But I think he, I was I I thought it was going to be him that was going to be the big question mark. But I definitely think that Daniel, for me, for Child's Play is the is the one that needs to prove themselves a little more at this point. Mm -hmm. Just because I was like Shaded Talent had an excellent performance, but whereas Daniel kind of just was I don't know. He did a lot of damage. I, I wish I could see the damage charts yeah. from the games. But Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely we'll be we'll be interesting to see if we can get I'm sure we could look. Couldn't we look on or is this private matches pro? we can't see him? I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not either. What I was gonna say about Shade of Talent is, you know, we saw Max Green be this kind of like a captain that was he was known but he wasn't yet the best and then he's on this dominating tribe roster and then he slowly becomes like okay max green is like one of the best captains and he's he's the one you'd want so it's interesting to see if shaded you know gets i mean wild vision was good in 3v3 it'll be interesting to see putting him on a roster like tsm or a child's play and seeing like what he can do with good players and how big of a difference he'll be you know max green was good in this series but shaded definitely made a lot of good plays and you know, it sucks. I know I'm jumping topics here, but it sucks not seeing Eve all around. You know, it, I don't know. Like, he ate his team or whoever, wherever he, whatever he's doing, you know, hasn't really been in competitive. So it's just like we haven't got anything out of him or anything out of Rogue in 5v5. So it's just kind of like a big question mark when it comes to the early talk about which players are doing really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm definitely curious for the for the regular season to start. Mm -hmm. So that's my big question. Then uh, I did just write an article about it. I'm not releasing it till Wednesday in between the two podcasts, but I want to talk about it here first with you two um, and your opinions because I I this literally just came to me today and I'm like, well, it's kind of interesting. But you know, VPL starts April. That's the preseason, and then the regular season starts in the the summer of in the June. So you know, there are going to be eight teams. You know, what needs to happen when picking these teams? You know, is it going to be the Vanglory 8 teams that kind of held those spots leaving Autumn 2017? Or does SEMC have the right to look at teams and pick the eight best 8 teams to be in the VPL? Like, how does that work? Because for me, 
Vision Gaming is a different Vision Gaming from 2017 when they won Challengers. Hazards slash from Mars, who even knows what they look like if that is what the Finesse Gods kind of is. Rogue, you don't even know where they are. Hammers, they kind of just did not play well in the Visley at all. You know, Misfits is beating Nova every time. And, you know, who belongs in the VPL? Thoughts? Anyone? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, you make a great point. That might be a really good question. Uh, unless you and I can message Fuji and see right. if we can't get anything out of him. But yeah, um, what my opinion would be, I mean, if the team is still here, you know, like, you know, we have Cloud9 gone, but like, let's say TSM is really child's play. Like, obviously, like they get their spot and then you fill that roster that way. And then whatever's remaining, like it is up to SCMC's uh, discretion, in my opinion, because like they've said, it's a practically like a whole new game. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That would be my guess. But to be honest, I could probably be easily swayed another way because I haven't really thought about it that much. That's just my first initial thought. Hmm. I think they're just going to they're going to see if any. I feel like if you're an esports org and you make a bid, then you're going to get in. OK, regardless of who you have on your team. I think Misfits will get a spot. Yeah. Well, we like, are down a spot, right? Because Cloud9 had a spot and they're gone. So, yeah. Technically, like, Misfits could swoop in there and just get that spot. But then you still, like, just for me, it's just like, you know, I don't know. I just want the best teams in VPL when it starts. I do not want to have eight teams when I know there's clearly a better team in Challengers. I'm not saying Misfits is the best team, but Misfits has done a decent job, in my opinion, of they are trying, they're scrimming together, they're playing together. That's a lot more than what's probably some of these other teams are together. You think Finesse Gods are scrimming really hard, if that is who from Hazardous? I'm only saying that just because of Erica being on it in 2Gs, and those are the two people left from that team you know, that are playing. So it's just like, do they need to have a, a pre-challengers where you, everyone plays and, you know, the most points gets into the VPL? But I, I get what you're saying, Polly, and it probably just makes the most sense because I just don't know if, you know, if you look at the slimy Salamanders, Iraqis team, let's say all these people want to compete together. Like, would that team, if you put them in a best of five against the new vision or the hammers that seem kind of weak. I mean, I bet they'd be able to beat them and maybe that would be the better team to represent uh, a, a spot in VPL rather than having an org that is kind of in a weird place. Maybe SCMC's like making them report scrim information mm. like Fuji. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe it's part of the, maybe there's an application process or something. I feel like that's what would make the most sense. Yeah, it would have to be something because there's no way. I've seen this conversation on Twitter and other places before. It's just you can't expect a org or whoever held that spot in autumn to continue to be that good. You know, how many months later when, you know, let's see, autumn from uh, October or November, whenever that was, to June. Like, that's a long time. So it's not like you can expect, you know, that same org to be dominating. So. You know, who knows what will happen. If Cloud9's gone, that's a spot open. If this Hazard team doesn't really find a place or a full... I mean, again, it's just hard to know because you're not seeing any information. But, you know, they said eight teams are going to be in it. So if they confidently announce that, that means they are well aware of eight teams that they maybe are liking to see in the VPL. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, 100% endless, but... Let's be honest, unless another team gets announced that we don't know about as of right now on March 20th, when you guys are listening to this, is anyone going to beat Child's Player Tribe? Like, I feel like we were in the same, as of right now, I feel like we were in the same exact situation as what we've been with early 3v3, TSM, Cloud9, NA, that's it. Mm. No, I mean, everyone else, everyone else was competing. You know what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. You have to fill the spots, but like, what team is gonna compete against Tribe or Child's Play at this point? Like, right. sorry, I don't think, I don't think anyone will. So, sure, whatever, fill those spots with orgs for the money and the. I don't know. I'm not talking business side, obviously. I'm talking sh practically just players and who's the best. But uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Well, I don't think I. I feel everyone's saying, oh, they're not even gonna have enough teams to do it, but. 
I don't know if they would have announced anything about the VPL if they weren't certain that it was going to work. Right. Yeah. And that's that's one of my biggest fears is having Child's Play or TSM and Tribe just having so many good players that no one can even compete. Because we, we go away, we walk away from 3v3 in Autumn when Nova was almost good enough, but then you had Hammers that had obviously starting over, so at any time he can go off. And then you have Rogue, TSM, and Cloud9, and Tribe. That's a lot of teams that kind of were all competing each weekend and sometimes beating each other. And right now, you look at Hammers, nothing. You look at Rogue. I'm going to say nothing just because until they announce things, I have no idea who's going to be on there. Anywhere that Evol's at, maybe uh, we'll do a decent job with competing, and Cloud9's gone. So it's just like hard to look at the going into VPL with eight teams. Like It could be a rough beginning of just having... It could be boring for this podcast because we're going to pick the same winners week in and week out. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Yeah, um, well, think about... It'll just be kind of like early. It's like it's it's starting. It's starting all over. No, it is <laughs> it though. Is. Like, the, but like, I don't know. It'll it'll be a little hokey. I think at first, as in like, it won't be as polished as three v three was near the end, where you had a, every single team was an org. You know yeah. what I mean? Because five v five has to prove five v five has to prove itself, and. I mean, think about how one of the biggest... Think about how TSM started, though. Mm-hmm. It started because Reginald made a team because he wanted to compete in early League of Legends. <laughs> it was just crazy. a team he put together. You know what I mean? He didn't start it as, like, a an org. Yeah. So I feel like... I, feel, I think that everyone's panicking, or a lot of people on Twitter seem to panic, being like, I don't know how it's going to work. It's just, like, calm down. <laughs> like it'll yeah. be fine yeah we we definitely may go through that that time of weird names like the slimy salamanders representing themselves until an org comes in and picks them up like that's what we kind of saw the rotation or the process in uh 3v3 and it makes sense if it happens in 5v5 like you probably just said it's brand new like they have to figure out how it works um did echo fox leave like you know we saw kind of the announcements from some of the support people and Equifax like free agent type stuff. I mean, did Equifax just leave Angler? I know they didn't make like official announcement, but I don't know. I didn't see any like official announcement, but yeah, well, I didn't even know who their players was. I knew they had like you know Slow Dead, Brutal, like they had them, and I saw them tweeting Slater. that they were yeah Slater. They were like free agents or not with or not with Equifax anymore. But I didn't even I didn't even know if Equifax had true other players to announce that they were free agents as well. So I didn't know if maybe Echo just dropped their support staff and they're gonna relook at new players to look to you know pick up. Maybe that's what it is. But I just didn't know if Equifax was leaving. I like Equifax a lot as an org, mostly because of Rick Fox, obviously. I think his <laughs> business as a whole, he does a lot of good things. So man, having them come back into the normal VPL, the top eight teams, and pick up one of these teams would be awesome. Maybe they'll pick up Child's Play. Oh, God. Don't say that, because then we lose TSM. Well, what if TSM just picks up someone else? No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I on. wonder... I mean... It'll be fine. Like, it'll be fine. I feel like we all have to, mean to be, be level-headed. It's fun to speculate, but I think we already did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I... I I get what Paulio, I mean, as you say, it makes more and more sense. There's necessarily no need to be worried about, you know, I mean, Vanglory is small enough right now anyway. So obviously we want the orgs in it, and that's why people freak out. I do get annoyed when people are like, oh, VG's dead. Like these orgs, people are always gonna be like, oh, they'll come back. And everyone's like, no, they won't. Like they're leaving Vanglory for good. And I'm just like, you have no idea what's going to happen in the future. One thing that does piss me off, and this isn't the time or place for this, but I'm going to make it that, is, you know, Immortals is announcing their mobile division of their organization, and Immortals is going to AOV and Arena of Valor, and it's just like, I don't know. To me, it's like you're going into Arena of Valor because there's a lot more money. You had one of the best teams in Vainglory, and it's just really funny to see you leave Vainglory for Arena of Valor. But that's just me. Man, Arena of Valor sucks. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't care. Five, uh, sorry. Five v five out? 
No, like, come on. I don't care how biased I seem because I do this podcast and stuff. I like I'm telling you blatantly, I would not play Arena of Valor even if I didn't have this podcast or play Vanguard. Like, no, it's just garbage. I wouldn't watch the competitive scene either. And I'm not saying Vanguard competitive scene is like it's the best competitive MOBA out there to watch, but like, I. Arena Valor is truly a casual game that you can literally play, pick up. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's a skill cap, but compared to Vainglory and the no, no, I don't get it. I don't get it all, and that's what kind of triggers me knowing that orgs go there just because it's Tencent and they have literally just money growing in their backyard to throw wherever they want. And if and if a good game like Vainglory, clearly it's a good game. Look at the graphics. Look at the, you know, yeah, it's ten times better. They're not just making Superman like they're making real thought out heroes with abilities. Um, and if if they had the money to support their or their tournaments, we would probably see every org jumping in on it. But it's just because oh, you don't have a five hundred thousand tournament to back you up right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, like. Is such a carbon copy of League of Legends. Like I like watching Vanglory because it's a different game. Mm-hmm. It's unique. It's not. But like, why the hell would I ever watch Arena of Valor? I would just rather watch League of Legends. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, at least there's at least there's a difference between Vanglory and other MOBAs. Like right, something yeah. that would draw you to it. Also, I was thinking about everyone's freaking out i don't know but keep in mind like the professional player base requirements just increased by 40 percent mm. with think about like how long like it to me it makes sense i don't know 40 percent is pretty significant yeah. and that's saying like that's assuming that it's 40 percent assuming that you can that everyone going to be able to fill the new roles that we're creating so like it makes sense it'll take a little while for it to grow yeah it's you have to remind yourself that this is brand new like it's gonna you, we literally need to put ourselves back in our the position when vanglory 3v3 competitive really first started and if you go back and look at vods of that you can look at how terrible it kind of was compared to what it ended up being and we will have those growing pains for 5v5 and i've said it a million times 2018 will be a huge growing period for 5v5 and it's either going to solidify itself as the best moba you know you know uh, esports scene out there in the market and we'll see the teams and everyone else support it and 2018 or 2019 will be the bigger year. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We always speculate, but like Polly, everyone just listen to Polly. It'll be fine, guys. Stop freaking out. It'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be fine. Um, so, yeah, the Viz League is over. I think we're pretty much done now until preseason and then the start of season six for the NACL. Polly, will you have a team in the NACL this year? This season? I don't know. You ain't got time for that. Um, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I think we'll see. Like, it, it just depends on how much time I have, really. Well, make sure you choose this podcast first. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> Kurt. Uh. <laughs> I guess, Paul, like you've been playing 5v5 as well. Has anyone seen anyone that does not have a 5v5 badge? Because we all got Founders badges for playing in 3.0. Has <laughs> yeah. anyone seen anyone that doesn't have one yet? I'm curious if there's been any legit no. new players that never played in 3.0. I haven't been, uh, like, crazy paying attention to it. But, yeah, you're right. Every, like, everyone that I've noticed now, that everyone's got the badge. Yeah, I've only ever seen the badge. I saw one person and I almost, I wanted to friend them and then message them and be like, did you, are you just now coming back or are you a Smurf and you have a normal account or is this legit like your first patch playing Vanguard? Cause I was like blown away when I saw, and I've only played maybe four games on this patch so far. I haven't played that many and I actually saw one and I literally was blown away cause I never thought I would see one for a while. I would probably assume wow. everyone's played in 3.0. Yeah. I was blown away. Yeah. Yeah, I've played more than four games, I can tell you that, and 
I, I mean, man, maybe I just missed it, but every time I feel like I've seen it, I haven't been like, oh, wow, you don't have it. I don't know. I'll pay attention to that more now. All right. Um, we're going to end it real quick before we go. MVP for Viz League. I'm going first, so I can make you guys all mad. Uh, Chuck. All right. Shaded talent. <laughs> Polly screwed. <laughs> um. The HyperX commercial. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That dude sounds favorite. like there's a really dude. No, it's insane. It sounds like there's like a really low quality porn playing when that music comes <laughs> on. I need to like a different song. It's like oh ridiculous. <laughs> That's so funny. What other commercials do they run through? Band and mob. Oh mob. Need for seat. And need for seat. Yeah, uh, shit, that's so funny. But like so every time I hear the HyperX music, I want to die. <laughs> it's that's time great. to stop. It's time to stop. Hey, I die. If HyperX wants to sponsor this podcast, I'll play that music all day no, in the intro. <laughs> JK, I'm not a sellout. Um, all right, Liar. listeners, I know we. Probably we've been going for an hour. Okay, so uh, this week Thursday's a question mark just because I'm sure we could find things to talk about, but it's a busy week. So if I we don't get to it, we don't get to it. Uh, I may just hold this and release uh, Wednesday or just release it Tuesday, and then that's what you get for the rest of the week. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at tfr underscore esports and us our personal accounts on all of our other our, our names that I'm not going to spend the time to say. But thanks, guys, for joining us. Thank you guys for joining me. And you're all co-hosts, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, anything else from you two, or are we done? I'm out. No, I'm good. Probably already had his one-liner, so yeah, I, I can dismiss him for the night. He did his job. Uh, I really <laughs> thought he was going to come with something normal, but God, that was hilarious. <laughs> Uh, all right, thanks guys for listening. If you guys hear us Thursday, then that's great. But if not, uh, it would just be anchor episodes if I get to them on any big announcements that happens. But I don't think we'll see that. And no Vanguard Esports is happening currently. So uh, we will talk with you later. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to Time for Rolling. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play Music and subscribe for weekly episodes. Follow us on Twitter at Time for Rolling and at TFR underscore esports. Until next week for another edition of Time for Rolling. Rolling.